Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. College football does not stop and we don't either. We have a ton to jump into. Will Shipley joining the program today. We're glad you're here. College football is a year-round sport. This show is a year-round ordeal. Welcome into the Hard Count, the people's college football show for every single thing that you know and love about this beautiful sport. Like I said, it happens here every single day. Got to talk about Coach Prime because he just continues to attract top talent, not to Miami, Florida, not to Atlanta, Georgia, but to Boulder, Colorado. How is he getting this done? What is the Coach Prime edge? There's a couple of facets to that. I want to unpack that in its entirety because I think it's worth taking a deeper look at. And I think Coach Prime and the model he has in place at Colorado is the direction that modern college football is headed. Like I said, Will Shipley sat down with us, had a lot to talk about. Everything from the quarterback change, going from DJ Uwe Ungele to Kate Klubnik at the end of the season, how they handled that internally. And then I don't know if we've noticed, but there's a new OC in town at Clemson, South Carolina, Garrett Riley younger brother of Lincoln Riley, will be calling the plays for Will Shipley and company next year. How does he expect his role to change? What does he expect from his team going forward? He was very candid with us and very open about his own experience at Clemson. Great interview. I don't think you're going to want to miss it, so make sure that you're locked in for that one as that's coming up here in just a few short minutes. Sleepers, every single year there is some sort of team that wasn't on our radar before the fall started, TCU being one of them last year, and then they end up making a ton of noise. Tennessee was one of those teams that made a ton of noise this past season as well. Who are those sleepers? We're going to stay in the SEC conference. Okay, so I don't want to talk about Bama or, or Georgia. I mean, LSU played for the title last year. Who are the sleepers that are off the radar that we need to be keeping an eye on as we get closer and closer to the fall? Then I want to talk about Georgia and the spring practice that they have ahead of them. We've been doing these spring previews of sorts giving you our feel on that team, asking some questions that I think are very valid as a lot of teams get ready to open up spring camp here, getting out of mat drill season. It's a beautiful sight. You love to see it. And then I posed a question to y'all on my Twitter page, at JD Pacquiao. Make sure you're following if you're not. We have a lot of conversation on there that we then move to this program. I asked you, in light of all the rule proposals that are out there with nonsense about the clock running after an incompletion, we won't talk about that too much, but in light of all the potential changes facing college football, if you could change one thing, what would it be? Something with the calendar. Got a lot of good questions or thoughts around the national title game. So we're going to talk about those. Nick Breakkeeper of the Q going to join the program to unpack some of those thoughts with us. But we're so glad you're here. Like I said, college football, a year-round sport. We don't take a break. I know y'all don't take a break because y'all are some diehards. And that's why we get to have this show. Shout out to the podcast, both on Apple and Spotify, however you're listening, and we're glad to have you along for the ride, but we can't waste any more time. we got to get to it. Let's get after it. Coach Prime has made a lot of noise since he was named the head coach in Boulder, Colorado. And there's a lot that's gone on with social media, and you've seen the clip of him in the team room, and you've seen the quotes about what he's going to do in terms of bringing his Louis luggage to Colorado, and he's done just that. Colorado is crushing it in the transfer portal. We talk about it all the time, kind of replacing the foundation of what they had there with a 1-11 season and now trying to get their roster back to a level that's competitive. But how is he doing it? How is Dion able to get all this talent to Boulder, Colorado? In 2023, the 2023 cycle rather, they were able to land three four-star players, one five-star player, according to us here at On3. In the 2024 cycle, which will be his first full recruiting cycle, they're off to a hot start already have a top 25 class in the 2024 year. Now, folks, Boulder, Colorado, Colorado in general, to land a top 25 recruiting class, if that's the way that they finish out, that would be historic for that program. How is Deion Sanders able to do this? I think a couple of things play into it. The first one is most obvious. Deion Sanders is one of the greatest football players to ever lace them up. 
right? Like the name Deion Sanders holds a lot of weight. And it's not just the name, but it's the fact that he has the roadmap for everywhere these young men want to go. Because I think winning probably gets blown out of proportion in terms of recruiting and, and what that impact is when it comes to recruits making decisions. Of course you want to play for national titles. Of course you want to have a good time winning football games. And I mean, winning is fun, so that kind of goes hand in hand. But even more than that, you know what these young men value? Development. Georgia and Bama, they win, yeah, but even more so, they develop you. They get you primed, no pun intended, for the next level. And so if I'm Deion Sanders, I can walk into your living room and say, you know what, you want to go have a gold jacket? You want to go to the league? You want to do all these great things at the NFL level? I can get you there. You know why? Because I've checked those boxes myself. That's not a pitch everyone can make. Cormani McLean, a phenomenal example. We weren't sure where he was going to go. He was committed to Miami, didn't end up signing there. And then out of nowhere, commits to Colorado. In an interview, what did he say? I want to be in the same predicament as Deion Sanders. He's the greatest DB. I'm one of the top DBs in my class. I want to go play for Deion Sanders because of his track record. To be able to sell that experience to someone, it holds some weight. And it's not a pitch that everyone can make. And that's why you're seeing the influx of top talent coming to play for Coach Prime. Got some more thoughts on this, but if you have not yet subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel, like I said, the hard count, we do content every single day. We're live twice a week. Want you a part of this. Also, follow me on Instagram, as well as on Twitter, at JDPacal, to make sure you don't miss a minute of what we got going. The other thing you can pitch for Deion Sanders and for Colorado and why they're landing this top talent is you can pitch the idea of blazing your own trail. There's something appealing to us as human beings of being able to go a little bit our own way, be able to be different than whatever the status quo is. Tesla was the number one selling luxury car brand in 2022. Why? Ferrari's more established. BMW's more established. There's other brands that you know more about, but what is Tesla? It's new. It's kind of exciting. It's kind of got the wow factor to it. It's not what everybody else is driving. I think Colorado, to put an analogy to it, is kind of like the Tesla of college football. You can go to Georgia. You can go to Bama. You can go to Florida and Florida State and all these historic programs. You can go there and have a great time and I'm sure achieve what they've achieved over the course of the last several years. Or you can get in on the ground floor. You can be in part of startups. You, you can be the start of something. You can be the first chapter of the book to paraphrase, quote, what Kenny Dillingham's talking about at Arizona State. That's what you can sell at Colorado, and that's attractive to kids, I'm telling you. To be at the front end of something, to help lay the foundation for something and be the first to do it at Colorado, that's attractive. And Deion Sanders, if he starts to develop more of a track record at Colorado, once they start having some success, I've said it before, if they have success in their first one to three seasons and start competing for a conference title, that's where it'll get scary. Because then it's a proven method. Then that foundation is laid, and then people can say, well, actually, I want to be a part of winning the second Pac-12 title. I want to be a part of the third in a row Pac-12 title, whatever it ends up being. You hear what I'm saying? We're getting a little bit hypothetical here, but the fact that it's off the beaten path, the fact that not a lot of top talent has been to Colorado over recent history, not history, but just very recent history, that's attractive. That's extremely attractive. And then finally, Modern college football with NIL and the world we're living in with social media and YouTube, Colorado can knock exposure out of the park. If you want to be seen, Colorado has the attention of the college football landscape. And really, let's be real, the sports world has their eyes on Colorado right now. Why? Got a Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame NFL player as your coach, rather with aspirations, I'm sure, to be a Hall of Fame coach. You have Well Off Media, the YouTube channel, with over 250,000 subscribers on YouTube that's posting behind-the-scenes content. It feels like all the time. You have Deion Sanders with his own Amazon Prime television series. If you want to be seen, you want to grow your brand, Colorado's the place to do it. It feels a lot like the Showtime Lakers. Like different celebrities now are starting to come and take a peek at what's going on at Boulder, Colorado. Lil Wayne took a facilities tour with Coach Prime. Like 
if that doesn't scream cool, if that doesn't scream cutting edge and doesn't scream we have a spotlight on our program, I don't know what does, man. I'm just saying, Coach Prime, and the way this thing is headed, there's a cool factor here. There's a cool factor. And I'm telling you, if they're able to cash in on this momentum they have right now, it's just going to snowball. Now, cashing in could look a lot of different ways, to be real with you. They won one game last year. There's a lot of people that are screaming and shouting and saying, watch this. They won't win eight games. They won't win nine games. Do they have to win eight or nine games for you to be sold on Deion Sanders in year one? He's the equivalent of ripping out the foundation of a house, trying to put one back in as quickly as possible, and be competitive in the Pac-12 conference. That's what he's trying to do in the span of one year. Less than that, really, because he got hired in, I believe it was November. So, He's going to get it going, all right? Give him some time. The talent acquisition side of this is impressive. Because we keep saying college football is a talent acquisition game, right? And Coach Prime continues to get talent to come with him to Boulder, Colorado. Off the beaten path. Come be the first to do it. Come play for one of the greatest of all time to ever lace him up. At the professional level, you want a gold jacket? Got one in my closet. I can help you get one, too. That's an attractive pitch to make. That's a unique pitch to make that not a lot of other coaches can make at the college level. And then when it comes to exposure, Colorado right now, they got the spotlight. Like I said, the attention of the sports world, the attention of the college football world is very firmly on Boulder, Colorado. I'm very excited to see what Coach Prime does next. Travis Hunter made a chess move saying, I'm going to have 100,000 subs, then I'll commit on National Signing Day. So for the second year in a row, you had Coach Prime stealing headlines on Talent Acquisition Day. Now, we sat down with Will Shipley, and he just dropped some knowledge on us. It was really awesome to sit down and talk with our first player interview and hear his side of things when it comes to winter conditioning and phasing into spring ball. There's been a lot going on at Clemson, South Carolina. The pressure is extremely high. There is expectations to play for the college football playoff every single year and win the ACC every single year. Otherwise, it's like a failure of a season. We talked about that and talked a lot about the quarterback change that went on during the year. What was that like behind closed doors? Will Shipley will illuminate us. So without further ado, here's Will Shipley. Hope you enjoy. And we now welcome in the running back, the running back, y'all, for the Clemson Tigers, Will Shipley. Will, how we doing, my guy? Oh, I'm doing great. Really appreciate you having on. I'm, uh, I'm pumped for the segment. Brother, we're fired up to have you on. We're glad you made some time with all the busyness of the class schedule and winter conditioning. Now, you and I talked before we started taping. Y'all just finished up mat drills. Is that correct? Yes, sir. We did. Yep. Yep. Last week. Okay. So were there parties in the streets, like just jubilation across the locker room or what are y'all getting into right now with winter workouts yeah there was definitely a uh, a lot of excitement around the locker room um you know following that following that last day of mad drills um but you know that's that's just what this team is all about uh you know we love the work but we also celebrate the uh the accomplishments and you know finishing finishing mad drills is definitely an accomplishment so um yeah you know we've been all pumped but now we're just really getting into the the heavy lifting up until spring ball starting uh march 8th i know everyone's pumped for that as well so yeah we're just uh we're getting ready to roll baby getting ready to roll i love that man well speaking of accomplishments you had yourself a ton of accomplishments acc all acc at three different positions y'all were acc champs what's the feel coming off of a season like that for y'all what's the feel around the program as you get ready now for spring football yeah, I think everyone's just really hungry. Um, you know, we, we understand that, uh, you know, everything we've accomplished, or at least myself in this program for the past two years has been great. But, um, you know, we, we got our sights on some some different goals. And there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, so we, we understand what's ahead of us. Um, and, and that if we put in the work what we can accomplish. So I think that's what, uh, you know, everyone's mindset truly is, is that everyone's hungry. And, um, you know, we know we can accomplish more. And what are your expectations for your role and this offense as you get ready to go into the fall? Because a new OC in Garrett Riley, a new quarterback in Cade Klubnik. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's definitely going to be a little bit of um, trial and error, you know, figuring some things out, um, you know, not only on the field, but also as a leader and, 
and uh, kind of your role outside of, uh, you know, outside of the line. So um, for me, it's just really taking on whatever role I, I, I can and uh, wh whatever role they want me to. Obviously, I want that to be a big role. Um, you know, I want to be the guy for this offense, someone that they can lean on, someone they can, um, you know, always just rely on to either make the big play or make the small play, do all the little details. Um, yeah, so that's truly my, my mindset going into the season is just to, to do that in every way possible and then to get a little bit with, you know, Coach Riley and, and Cade. Um, there's also nothing but excitement, um, you know, just around those two guys, names and guys, uh, just the, the leadership that they brought to the table, uh, you know, so quickly. And, um, yeah, just, just a lot of excitement around their names as well. And it was clear how well y'all banded together and how strong the culture is at Clemson, because it's never easy to go through a change at any position, much less the quarterback position at any point during the year. Walk me through what that was like internally when y'all made the switch to have Kate Klubnick be your starter. Yeah, you know, it's a um, it's a tough process, like you said, uh, for for any team, especially at this level, um, you know, because you only go as far as your quarterback takes you. Uh, and, you know, I, I stand by that. So to, to have problems at that position and, and to have to make that switch to, you know, a freshman from from DJ, um, which, by the way, nobody's got, you know, more love for DJ than, than I do and than the whole Clemson uh, program has for him. So I uh, wish him the best at, at Oregon State. I think he's going to absolutely kill it. But, um, you know, I think everybody was ready for K to come in and, and truly make a difference. I think you really saw in the ACC championship. Um, and then, you know, you get to the Tennessee game and he just had a lot on his plate. Uh, you know, there's, there's no doubt for it to be his first start. Um, and I think he had – what 40 plus pass attempts uh you know just a, a lot of things that that went into it that defense was really really good um yeah so wasn't able to you know come out how we wanted to with that one but uh, just the way that he carried himself and you know after the game throughout the whole locker room he was going to dap everybody up telling them that's on me you know it's going to be different next year um so like i said it's just internally that leadership we know we're in a really good spot with cade uh, really good spot with coach riley and uh you know, excited to see what Cade can do this year. It's going to be fun sharing a backfield with him, that's for sure. And Clemson, to me, is just so interesting because the bar is set so high year in and year out. Like, if it's not winning the ACC and then playing for the college football playoff or playing a New Year's Six Bowl game, like, there's always people on the outside that have something to say. How do y'all go about handling the pressure that comes with being at Clemson internally? Yeah, um, you know, it's one thing that Coach Sweeney relays to us all the time because, you know, he's built this program up from the bottom. And, and so he's seen, um, you know, every experience. Uh, he's seen all the criticism. He's um, been at the lowest points, the highest points. Uh, you know, and, and what he always says is, is you can't let it affect you, but you got to add it, um, you know, to the fire's fuel. So, uh, you know, you just, you've got to use it, but you, you can't let it affect what you do day in and day out. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you got to put all the work in, you got to produce the results and then, you know, you can look back and, and, uh, and say, I did that and, and, um, you know, kind of tell all those haters to, to screw off a little bit, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I think you said it perfectly. It is hilarious. People will always have something to say about Dabo or what y'all do at Clemson. And I'm like, are, are we not seeing this team just repeatedly win double digit ball games? So. That's the side of the fence that I fall on, but I would agree with you there, Will, in terms of how you yes, would sir. approach that. But speaking about Clemson, speaking about the culture, it's special. Like, y'all do things differently than anyone else in the country. And on the recruiting trail, that would, I would imagine, lend itself to a little bit of a different pitch. What was the pitch that Dabo Sweeney made to you to get you to Clemson, and how do you feel like that plays as a whole for other guys on the recruiting trail? <sighs> Yeah, um, you know, I, I say, first of all, Coach Sweeney is one of the best best recruiters out there, there's no doubt. Um, and then, you know, Coach Elliott, who's actually head coach of Virginia now, he played a really big role in my recruitment. But I would say um, the, the biggest picture that they were trying to paint for me is just that uh, we're going to develop you as a man. And and that's truly what I wanted um, because I, I know that, you know, with my work ethic and and uh, just how consistent I am and, and my core values, I, I know that I'm set on the on the football side. Um, but to be able to grow as a man and in return get better on the football field, um, it's just the best of both worlds. So uh, that's what Coach Sweeney truly does is, is he puts the man first, you know. The number one goal coming into his program is to graduate and, and to get that piece of paper. Um, and, and he makes it known, you know, if, if, if you are missing classes, you're not going to play the next game. You know, he doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care 
five star, nothing like that. Best player in the country. Um, you know, no no egos too too big or small for him. Uh, yeah. So I think that's what I truly saw, and then obviously the spiritual portion. Um, you know, truly spoke to me as well because that's so important to me in my life. So um, just to see how he incorporates that within his within his program and how well he does it. Um, you know, that was obviously something that attracted me as well. Well, you're one of our favorite players here on the hard count. Like, we're, we're not journalists. We don't, we don't have any, like, journalistic <laughs> integrity we got to keep here. So we can have favorites. You're one of our favorite players here to watch because of the way that you Heck play yeah. the game, bro. Like, you get the ball in your hands and you get downhill right away. It's, it's obvious the passion you have for the game. Where does that edge that you have come from? Yeah, you know, I, I get this question a lot. And, um, you know, I, I, I truly think it's just the, the spirit shining through me. Um, you know, the, this game, uh, it was gifted to me. All the talents that I have, they were gifted to me, um, you know, through through God, uh, through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So to be able to play this game and, and to do it for really my occupation, you know, it's it's what I do. Uh, you know, sometimes I got to take a step back and, and just thank him. Um, but, yeah, I'd say that's truly what it comes from. And then just that always that thought, like, you never really know when the last play is going to be. Um, you never know when your last game is going to be, whether it's, you know, injuries or, uh, you know, other things that, that come into play. Um, so, yeah, I just want to go out there, give it my all. Um, and the last thing I would say, um, shout out to Coach Spiller for this one. Uh, you know, my freshman year before my first start at NC State, uh, he came up to me and, um, and, and just said, you know, there's somebody here who is their first football game and they came to watch you. So um, how are you going to leave their mindset? How are you going to leave, you know, their only time getting to watch you? And I, I think that really spoke to me, you know, just in terms of, uh, you know, you never know who's watching. And, um, you know, God's always watching. But there's so many people um, with this platform that I have I can impact and influence um, as a role model. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm trying to do as well, just as others have done before me. So. I'm ready to go after that one, bro. I'm ready, I'm ready to run through a wall after hearing that one. Uh, well, last question for you before we get you out of here. We appreciate all your time. Would be remiss if I didn't ask you your best Dabo Sweeney story. Yes, no doubt. Um, I've got a lot of them that, that, I could, uh, that I could choose from. But for me, I would say uh, probably when I committed. So it was a weird process. I haven't visited Clemson in like a couple months now. I'm, I'm taking this back, by the way, um, to, to not confuse you. But yeah, I had, hadn't visited Clemson due to COVID for a couple of months now. Um, was choosing between Stanford, Notre Dame, Clemson, um, and a couple of local schools around the you know, North Carolina area. Um, but, you know, I ultimately had made my decision and, and my family and I decided that Clemson was the best one uh, university for me. So um, text Coach Pierman and Coach Elliott. I want to hop on a Zoom call with, you know, Coach Sweeney and them. Uh, and I, I get on and, you know, I want to make it kind of interesting because I'm, I'm young, I'm immature, I'm a recruit. And, you know, I want it to be fun. Right. <laughs> so I get on the Zoom call and. Um, I kind of just make it like a, a story, like, hey, I love Clemson so much, but, you know, Notre Dame and Stanford, they've done all this stuff for me. Um, and and uh, pretty much towards the end, I, I, I broke this bill. I'm committing to Clemson University. Uh, and I'm just so pumped. But Coach Sweeney literally just gets up out of nowhere, grabs one of his trophies and hits the Heisman pose right there on Zoom. First thing he did, didn't say anything. <laughs> and uh, that right there, man, I just, I knew it was going to be a great experience for me right off the bat. Um, just, just by him, his energy, how special he is. But yeah, I think that was kind of just a God wink. Like, hey, you've got some special things, um, you know, coming up in the future. <laughs> man, that's electric. That's electric. And it's almost like it's it's sort of surprising that it's a head coach, but also you're like it's Dabo Sweeney. So is it that surprising? I mean, that's, that's exactly awesome, right. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing that story with us. Appreciate you making some time as you get ready for spring football, finishing up winter conditioning. We appreciate you, man. And uh, fired up to hopefully come catch a game in the Valley here very soon. But appreciate it, man. Heck yeah, definitely need to get you in Death Valley. It's, uh, it's an incredible experience. But thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. No doubt. Again, appreciate it. Will Shipley joining us on the program. I'm telling you, man, I think he's one of the best backs in college football. I think he's primed for yet another big year in 2023. Keep an eye on that offense with Garrett Riley. Clemson, if they go more tempo, you're going to have more tired defenses and more tired defenses. I promise you, Will Shipley, with the way that he totes the rock, he's going to eat those kinds of defenses for breakfast. 
So excited to watch that again. Appreciate Will Shipley coming on. How about that Dabo Sweeney story, huh? Breaking down when he first committed. That was a blast. Switching gears here just a little bit. Let's talk about some of the sleepers across college football. I want to really hone in on the Southeastern Conference. Every year, there's some team that comes out of the woodwork that we didn't see coming, that we weren't talking about nearly enough. So I'm going to do my best to guard us against that before we get too close to spring football and beyond, but we're going to do our best here. Now, again, sleeper teams. So I'm not talking about Georgia. I'm not talking about Alabama. I'm not going to talk about Tennessee or LSU either. LSU played for an, uh, a conference title last year. Tennessee was in the college football playoff mix. So if either of those teams popped onto the scene and won a SEC title, you wouldn't be overwhelmingly surprised, right? Like they're probably not the team that you're picking at this point in time, unless you reside in Baton Rouge or in Knoxville, Tennessee, in which case we're glad to have you part of the program. But they're probably not the team that's going to be the odds-on favorite in Vegas. So who could be the team that sneaks up and makes a play at this conference? How about South Carolina? We had Shane Beamer on the show last week, it was, maybe even earlier this week, and he was telling us about how much momentum, how much energy is going on outside that program, yes, but internally, they're not worried about being a good story. They have aspirations much higher than just winning eight games and playing for a nice bowl game. Remember how they finished the year. They beat not one, but two top 10 teams. Spoiled both Clemson's and Tennessee's chances at making the college football playoff. Let's imagine for a second the team that played in those two games to end the regular season. Let's imagine they show up and they play the entirety of their schedule. Because it didn't really feel like Spencer Rattler and that offense totally clicked until the end of the year. They were dinged up all over the field. They had a tight end playing running back. What if they are able to, one, stay healthy, and two, mesh like that from the jump? Spencer Rattler, another year under Shane Beamer. Dow Loggins going to keep that uh, professional style of offense, but also have some of the new age concepts blended in. Again, per Shane Beamer when he was on the hard count. I think they're scary. I think they're very scary because think about how Tennessee won games last year. Think about how Tennessee was one of the sleeper teams in the SEC. The offense just caught its stride and was just the problem for, for the opposition every single week. Like it didn't matter what they didn't have defensively because the offense was going to score 50, try and catch us. If Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells are able to keep that same tempo they had to end the year going forward, I think you're going to have to deal with South Carolina. Now, I'm not picking them to win the whole conference, but in terms of a sleeper team, you better at least be ready to deal with them. Okay, so South Carolina, definitely a team that we need to pay attention to before we get too far to into the, uh, into the fall season. Really quickly, though, if you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, would love to have you a part of this. The Hard Count is live twice a week. We appreciate you being tuned in. And if you have not yet followed me on Instagram or on Twitter, at Judy Pacquel, great medium for us to hear from you. Let's talk about the Florida Gators. They have a transfer quarterback in Graham Mertz. And a wide receiver for the Gators, Andy Jean, went on the record and said, I think Graham Mertz could be like a Joe Burrow, where he transfers into a new system and is able to have a ton of success. Now, I think Andy Jean was probably being a little bit hyperbolic there. But let's just imagine for a second that Graham Mertz makes good on what he was evaluated as out of high school. In that 2019 class, Graham Mertz was a top five quarterback. And Florida's defense has some things they got to patch up. They lose seven starters. But the defense wasn't really winning you a ton of games last year, was it? I, mean, I know they made timely plays, but I mean week in and week out, were you depending on that defense to win you the football game? Probably not, right? Gave up right around 30 points a game. Imagine you have more consistent quarterback play. That run game continues to move forward. You have two of the best young backs in the country in Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson. Imagine you have that run game, consistent quarterback play, and the defense just sort of stays the same. You'll have to deal with Florida, and that's not asking Graham Mertz to be a game breaker, but if he ends up being one of the better quarterbacks in this conference, Anthony Richardson was really talented last year, did a lot of really good things for this team, but there were times where he was inconsistent, and that cost you football games. I think the Kentucky football game that cost you. I think you didn't get enough from him as a dual threat against Vanderbilt. I think that cost you. 
that's at least two wins right there. And that gets you to eight wins. So if the defense takes another step forward, that could be exciting. They just hired Austin Armstrong. You got to keep an eye on Florida is all I'm saying, because you don't know how Graham Mertz will factor into this whole thing. A lot of talent, a lot of ability. We'll see what happens there. If they can supplement a quarterback with that monster run game, keep an eye on Florida. I think they're a dark horse in the Southeastern Conference. Now, here's a team that I think we're all talking about at this point in the year because of how much talent they have, and that's Texas A&M. Since 2019, they have had a top 10 recruiting class. Now, that is excluding the 2023 class, okay? So just kind of cut that off. From 2019 to 2022, they were within the top 10. What does that mean? It means there's a lot of talent on that roster. And that was one of the reasons why we were so frustrated with Texas A&M across the board last year, because we knew they were capable. We knew they had guys that were just straight up better than whoever they were playing against. You don't, you don't think Texas A&M had more talent than Appalachian State? Absolutely they did. But from a game plan perspective, they weren't able to put that talent in position to succeed. So Jimbo Fisher, whether he was forced to, whether he did by his own decision, I think still showed some humility and hires Bobby Petrino to be the offensive coordinator. I say this a lot for Texas A&M. Is it the chiropractor protocol? Is it where you show up and you feel sore, you feel out of whack, you're not aligned, and then after one appointment, after changing one thing on your staff, one correction, you're good to go. You feel like a new person again. This offense, this team as a whole, has a whole new outlook. I think it's worth talking about because Connor Wiegman, even though they weren't having a ton of success from a win and loss standpoint at the end of the year, Connor Wiegman is still a guy that you can win with. I wholeheartedly believe that. The way they finished the year against LSU, they showed you they, they've got some pieces on campus. Now, the transfer portal hurt them. That's absolutely true. But again, you did not lose all of that talent from 2019 to 2022. All those top 10 classes, there's still a healthy amount of that still in-house in College Station. So for Texas A&M, the cupboard stocked. The cupboard stocked. Are they a team that just with one correction on the staff, they go from five wins to, dare I say, 10 wins? All right, I'm not predicting it, but hypothetically, if you're talking about sleeper teams, you have to include Texas A&M. Same thing with South Carolina. The offense could be explosive if they pick up where they left off. How much of a problem is South Carolina for the opposition going forward? For Graham Mertz in Florida, he's a huge question mark. How does he translate to their system? He was iffy at Wisconsin. Can he be consistent at Florida? If he can... That's something you didn't have last year. As good as Anthony Richardson was, you did not have consistent quarterback play week in and week out. And if you did, I think you win at least eight games a year ago. Now with that running back room, having another offseason, able to get a little bit more comfortable after their first year on campus for both Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, could mean problems for the SEC. So you still have your front runners. You still have Georgia, Bama, Tennessee, LSU. I would still say those are probably the top four Odds on favorites if you're betting money in Vegas. But for these three teams, I think they have to be considered as sleeper teams in the Southeastern Conference. Now, another team in the Southeastern Conference that we absolutely have to talk about is spring football is very, very quickly approaching. How about the Georgia Bulldogs? Coming off their second national title in two years, they are going to make a go at a three-peat. Okay, Kirby Smart is very much so putting his pedal to the metal here. As soon as that confetti dropped, he made a round around the stadium to the Georgia faithful and went one, I would imagine signifying one national title. He went two for the national title they had just won. And then would you know it, he put up a third finger. Is he calling his shot? Felt like it to me. Got asked in the post-game press conference where Nick Brake and I were actually sitting after the game. Someone said, have you already thought about a three-peat? Is that on your mind? Can you, can you win a third in a row? And he just said, it's going to be more difficult to win a third in a row than it was to win the first or the second. 
So they've got a target on their back. Everyone is coming after Georgia. But like Kirby Smart says, we will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. So what are some questions? What are some things that we need to preview as we get ready for spring ball to get on and roll? And I think the most obvious one is the quarterback race paired with a new OC in Mike Bobo. Now, Mike Bobo was hired with the departure of Todd Munkin to the NFL, and that was met with some opposition from the fan base from the success that he didn't have at other locations and, and different issues you maybe had with him when he was previously the OC at Georgia. But the big takeaway for me with Mike Bobo being named the OC is he specializes in quarterbacks. He's the quarterback whisperer. He coached Aaron Murray when he set all the records for the Southeastern Conference. So you're in good hands in terms of who you would want overseeing your quarterback race. If it's not Todd Munkin, Mike Bobo is not a bad second. Also, the continuity and culture there. But you look at this race, you got Gunnar Stockton, Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff. Now, I believe that Carson Beck will end up winning this thing just based on the fact that he's been there the longest, what we saw from him in the national title game in garbage time. The kid can sling it. Big frame, kind of prototypical professional passer profile. How's that for an alliteration? I like Carson Beck. I think he's going to have enough to win this job. But if he doesn't win the job, if it is someone like Gunnar Stockton or Brock Vandergriff, I think then it's a factor of, okay, the mobility element to our quarterback. We want to have that in the offense. We want to have that. Or maybe we need that going forward. So I'm calling my shot. I think it's Carson Beck, but this quarterback race as a whole will be paramount. Because think about it this way. There used to be the question of, well, can Georgia win one with Stetson Bennett? Yeah, they got all this talent around him. Generational defense, that's awesome, but... Got JT Daniels on the bench. Is Stetson Bennett going to be good enough to win a national title? Fast forward two national titles later, and we're asking the question, man, can Georgia win one without Stetson Bennett? Can they do it without 13? One of the greatest to ever come through Athens. So it's funny how the script changes like that, but that is the test for Kirby Smart and company. They haven't done it yet without Stetson Bennett. And whoever ends up pulling the trigger for them at quarterback will have a lot of pressure on their shoulders. They'll also have quite a few weapons around them. Namely, Oscar Delp, Brock Bowers, Dominique Lovett, a lot of weapons in Athens, Georgia. But if you have not yet subscribed, we'd love to have you a part of this. Shout out to everybody watching live. We appreciate y'all. Also, if you have not yet followed me on Instagram or on Twitter, at Judy Paquel, follow me there. We have a lot of conversations there that we then incorporate into this show, the People Show. So we appreciate you in advance for that. Here's the other thing that I am wanting to take a closer look at as we get into spring football. How much did we talk about heading into the national title game? Even before that, during the regular season and the college football playoff, how much Georgia went 12 personnel, meaning they had two tight ends on the field at a time with Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington has gone to the league. Going to make himself a whole lot of money. Now, who's going to step into his place but a young Oscar Delp? who was also very heavily recruited and had a lot of stars next to his me, a lot of stars next to his name when he got to Athens, Georgia. But the difference for me is Georgia going into the year or rather going into different games was able to game plan with 12 personnel and not have to sacrifice size for speed. Like you could have Darnell Washington on the field and I believe he's somewhere, don't, don't quote me on this, I think he's somewhere in the range of a 4740, which for a man who's six foot seven, 270 pounds, that means something. Nick, pull up this video, or excuse me, rather this, uh, this picture that we took with him from National Title Media Day. Dude's enormous. I mean, just, just look at I me. Mean, he, he is towering over me. We did the interview, and my head was just tilted up the entire time trying to make some sort of resemblance with eye contact. But that is a big human being. That is the equivalent of an offensive tackle that you are now no longer going to have on the field who's also a threat to catch passes for you. Now you have Oscar Delp, who's six foot five, 225 pounds, who can also catch the football, and maybe that's the thought. You potentially would sacrifice some size, but maybe you add a little bit more speed. Maybe you add someone in Oscar Delp who can be a better receiving threat for you. So we'll see how that develops, but I'm just curious to see how Georgia looks offensively in that spring football game. It'll be very vanilla. It'll be very basic. But maybe we just get a temperature for how the offense could look different with Oscar Delp as opposed to Darnell Washington. Now I'll say this. I don't think Georgia is going to be any less physical when it comes to running the football. 
Okay, they are still going to be who they are. They're going to get downhill. They're going to be run it right at you. Oscar Delp, if you can't get that block for us, and I believe he can, but if he can't, we're going to get somebody on the field who can. Again, check out Darnell Washington. He's enormous. He is, he is a refrigerator of a human being. He's no longer going to be on the field blocking for you. Oscar Delp, a bit smaller, a bit slimmer. He's going to develop a lot physically, I'm sure, over the course of another offseason with Georgia. But still, six foot seven, 270, you can't replace that at tight end. What does it look like offensively for them? What do they look like as a 12 personnel? It'll be different. Doesn't mean it'll be worse, but it'll be different. So I'm curious to see what that looks like. Now, this is potentially one of the more important questions I have, and I don't have a doubt here. I just have a question, a legitimate question. Who picks up the alpha male label for Georgia on defense? Because here's who you lose. You lose Chris Smith, the all-everything DB for you. You lose Nolan Smith. You lose Jalen Carter, all to the NFL. All three of those dudes are tone setters for the defense. And talent will never be an issue at Georgia as long as Kirby Smart is running your program. Will never be an issue. You will have some of the best ingredients in college football. But what's made Georgia so special, what's differentiated them and got them over the hump and allowed them to be back-to-back national champions is their culture, their structure. And great cultures are player-led. Who is going to be the player that now leads this defense? Because there is now a vacancy rather an opportunity for someone to step into that role. Is it Javon Bullard? Is it Small Munden? We'll see. I'm curious to see. I'm not saying there weren't still great leaders and great players on that defense. I'm just curious to see who ends up being the bell cow for you because you got to have it to win a national title. George is going to show up and be better than just about every team they play. Tennessee, we'll see what they bring to the table. But they're going to be at least from a personnel standpoint, favored in every single game? Do they have the culture and the structure to keep them on their A game to be as close to the best version of Georgia as possible every single Saturday? Because that's why teams get upset. The variance, the variance of 18 to 22-year-olds. It's hard to show up and be the same version of yourself every Saturday, and that's when you get upset when you don't bring your best self to the office. So for Georgia... That leadership component on defense especially is going to be important. Personnel and talent's not the issue. Who's going to step in and be that alpha male, be that bell cow for the Georgia defense? So that paired with the quarterback race with Mike Bobo and how that looks and then seeing what 12 personnel looks like for Georgia with Oscar Delp replacing Darnell Washington. Georgia has everything they need to win a third national title. Can they mesh together? Can they put all these things cohesively together throughout the span of 12-plus games to put themselves in position to hoist another national title in Houston? I'm excited to see it, but it all starts in the spring. If you have not yet got a membership, though, to Dogs HQ, they are going to be covering this thing like an Atlanta Hawk, pun intended, and... There's going to be a lot of good intel on those message boards and a lot of great stories uh, that that are premium content, okay? So if you want to have a real-time update with Georgia football throughout spring practice and beyond, get a membership at Dogs HQ, our Georgia On 3 site. Also, make sure you're subscribed here because we'll have a lot of intel as well on the show. But if you want it real-time, those guys are at practice, watching it, talking it through, and are as close to that thing as possible. How about that, huh? How about them dogs? All right, moving on to your thoughts, feelings, concerns across the college football landscape. I posed a question on my Twitter page, at J.D. Piquel, and I just said, in light of the recent rule proposed changes, rule, rules that are being proposed to make a change in college football, what would you like to change about this sport, whether it's the calendar, whether it's the way that you schedule games, what does that look like for you? How would you like that to look? So, Brought it to y'all, and we got a ton of responses. I think this is something that we're going to do actually throughout the course of some future shows. But to unpack it all with us, bringing on the man, the myth, the legend, heavy lifter, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, my guy? What's up, man? Got three today. Let's do it. Um, so like you said, uh, uh, changes to college football. Uh, Brian says an arm wrestling before kickoff by the head coach mm. rather than a coin toss. Like yep. you said, uh, I think Texas would – be able to defer every game if they wanted to. Texas, I mean, Miami, Mario Cristobal is just, 
I'm sure winning the toss every This is a good idea. I'm not saying that we put it in right away, but I'm saying we at least got to take a closer look at it, right? I'm just, I, I think there's some merit here. All right, so NCAA, proposed rule change, head coaches, no more coin toss, no more leaving this to chance. We don't leave any of this game to chance. Why are we doing that with the kickoff? Have the head coaches meet at center field, We'll do an arm wrestle. That's how we'll decide who gets to defer and who gets to receive and all that, okay? So I like that a lot. That's a great submission there by uh, the best audience in college football. I like that, Nick. What do you think? Are you a fan of that? Can we see that to the uh, professional game maybe? No, I'm not because uh, my, my Bills play in the NFC or the AFC East, and I don't believe uh, Sean McDermott can beat uh, Robert Sala in a, uh, in a battle of strength. So. I'll throw this one back at you, though. If there's no coin toss to decide, does Josh Allen have a Super Bowl trophy? Well, absolutely. I mean, does, I I mean really? Does. Right? Yeah, well, absolutely. If, if the overtime rules were different, yeah. I'm just or saying if, a little you know, arm wrestle. Maybe if you throw him out there. Dawson Knox out there, Nashville product. Maybe he throws a little arm wrestle in there. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> You're right. You That's know? a fair point, my friend. What else we got, Big Nick? Um, this next question, I already pulled it up. Wallace Berry. He's the at dragon underscore actual one. You said it earlier, the Heisman voting system. Leave everything else the same. So Heisman voting uh, needs to change, according to Wallace. And, and you yesterday on your Twitter. Yeah, I appreciate it, Wallace. So Wallace and I are in lockstep here. We let people who don't really love college football, we let people who don't really know college football have too much say in our sport. And the Heisman Trophy is a microcosm of this. You have people that are newspaper writers in Scuba, Mississippi. And this is not to dunk on Scuba, Mississippi. This is dunk on that newspaper writer who gets to vote and who knows nothing about the sport and just thumbs through a few stat sheets and picks the biggest brand and the quarterback for that school and just tells them they're the Heisman Trophy winner. I think we need to take a different approach there. Okay, I think we take a different approach. I would also say... I don't have an issue with who's won the Heisman Trophy, with the exception of Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey and that whole issue that went on. But I do think there are some people that would have gotten invited had the voting been differently. Like Hendon Hooker, I think anybody who really knows and watches college football believes he should have been in New York City. Like there's, there's nobody that I'm taking off the, the Heisman Trophy podium there. There's nobody that I'm saying shouldn't have been invited, but you need to somehow, some way, get number five from Knoxville to that Heisman Trophy ceremony. So I, I'm 100% agreement here, Wallace. I tweeted this out as well from my Twitter page. But, yeah, that needs to change. Got to have some change there, Nick. You got to be the change you want to see in the world, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a player award. No, it's not. It's, see, it that's, is a, yeah, I got you. You're though. part of the problem, Nick. You're, part of, you're, being, you're being part of the problem right now, man. You know, I love you, I love you to death. How are you doing it, though? How am I doing it? Yeah, how, what's your Heisman vote? I think like? you can go through just the national individual. Like, I don't know if Kirk Herbstreit has a vote. How does that work? How yeah. does how does that work? I, I don't know if uh, who else doesn't have a vote that should have a vote. I would be surprised if Joel Klatt had a vote. Like just people that genuinely cover and and study the game don't have a vote. And I don't understand that. I don't understand. That just that needs to be amended. It needs to be amended, Nick. That's my two cents, though. I got you. Hey. I'd, I'd give you a vote. I'd give you a vote. <laughs> that that's probably worse than the scuba diver, <laughs> uh, if you're asking me. Um, but uh, the last question from Corey Arkoff, the at no Notorious CRG. A 90-second clock on reviews. If you can't see it in 90 seconds, go with the call on the field. Yeah. Interesting. But... Hot take. Hot take. Um, listen, I am as much for quick reviews as anybody, but 90 seconds – Feels like you get a little bit panicky, right? A little bit knee-jerky. We don't want that for the sport. So this is one that I will probably say, let's put to a vote. 90 seconds feels too quickly. Now, maybe the devil's advocate would say, well, if you don't know in a minute and a half, you just have to stick with what you had already. Yeah, maybe so. But how many times, Nick, have we watched different games, whether it be college or professional, and not had a good feel for what we would actually call on the field after like three minutes of watching replays? You know, I think I think that needs to be examined a little bit more closely. So 90 seconds, not for me. I like where your head's at, but I'm going to go ahead and say no to the 90 second shot clock on reviewing, uh, reviewing plays that way. What do you say, Nick? You got your thoughts on that? Well, college reviews take feelings? too long. I will say that. Um, 
If you got a television timeout, which, by the way, in college is longer than in the NFL by a, nearly a minute, and you still, after that three-minute break, can't tell, you're not going to find out. And I know it's important to get the right call, but it's also important, uh, you know, to have a football game. And it's, yeah. You know, but 90 seconds isn't 90 that seconds like... is quick. I'd say, you know, you got to get that shot clock for whatever the television timeout that they hold on the sideline. If you can't beat that clock, then you need to probably move on. See, I'm with you on that. We're, so, we're in lockstep here. Yeah. You and I got into the studio when we talked about the rule change proposal, and we went back and forth, and we mm-hmm. both came to the same conclusion. Hey, if you, if you cut down commercials, you will get to a shorter runtime of your mm-hmm. football game. Yep. So I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. But, yeah, 90 seconds feels like it could be a little bit quick. but you be know. a little quick. Yeah. Uh, last one, uh, someone in the audience uh, watching us today, KB82, said change targeting from disqualification of the game to just a disqualification for one quarter length, 15 minutes. Uh, KB82, I like your thought on the targeting, but why not just go to unsportsmanlike conduct? You know, you get two per game. I don't, I don't like, I don't like targeting in general. Like it's I a bang either. bang play. It doesn't make any sense to take away a couple of quarters or mm-hmm. or a quarter in general of any college football player. That's the other thing. It's not like it's the NFL where you play a million games. At least it's not like the NFL yet, and you have just an uncapped eligibility. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in the NFL, I know the NFL is, is not for long, right? I understand that. But when it comes to the college game, like your eligibility is only so long. And you take away two quarters of a football game, you take away a whole football game, like that starts cutting into the greatest game you ever. I mean, it, it cuts into you ever being able to play the greatest game ever again. So I'm against that personally. I think we're in lockstep there, Nick. But yeah, I, I would like to see us kind of just re reimagine targeting as a whole like if it's a dirty hit let's call it a dirty hit and let's go figure that out like you said unsportsmanlike or or unnecessary roughness or whatever but let's let's not just kick kids out of games willy-nilly you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's too subjective too, the too subjective. Rule. yeah but uh that's it maybe we'll see some rule changes jd maybe we won't uh and we're going to have to sit here and take it now, no matter what. Yeah, so. we'll see, man. We'll see. The game is changing. It's either get with it or get lost, I guess. But, yep. Nick, appreciate you holding it down, man, as always. Yep. Doing I'll a phenomenal job. See you Tuesday. Keeper of the queue. See you Tuesday, my guy. Y'all, appreciate you rocking with us. Appreciate you being locked in right now. Again, huge, huge thank you to Will Shipley for coming on the show. Stay tuned at my Twitter page and at my Instagram page, at JD Paquette. We have our next guest already lined up. It's a Power 5 head coach. Subscribe, like the video, all that. You're going to want to make sure that you catch this one live, all right? So we appreciate y'all rocking with us. Shout out to the podcast on Apple and on Spotify, however you're listening. We're going to keep the party rolling, and we will see y'all next time.